0: today is the sabbath and today's gospel text is about the sabbath what the sabbath is and even more what it's about about what you and i can be about and still be honoring the sabbath keeping holy the day which the lord himself made taking delight in all that he made in six days of work work and rest tension and relaxation the rhythm of life rhythm constantly in danger, the way we live our lives. The joy of work and the joy that comes when work is done, done well, done for God's glory and our good. When we have done our best to claim the call we have been given by that same God and take a vacation from our vocation, if only for a day. A thing is happy when it is doing what it is supposed to be doing, Writes Marie Louise von Franz. There is dignity in work, and there is more than pleasure. There is joy in vocation when we are about the Father's business, which can be any business at all if done for love of others and for Him. We work for love, and we work to find the love in the work we do as much as possible, no matter what it is. And when the work is done, we find joy or we hope to, the joy we get just for being, as a child, we get for doing as we grow up. We are sometimes ill-advised to believe that we must put that joy aside as we grow up, and that to be a woman or man entails giving up childlike things and getting to the business of living in a hard world, of hardening ourselves. We meet a woman today in this story from Luke who has been through a hard life, beaten down by the world, bent down, doubled up, made to be permanently hunched over as one who has borne many burdens, but who is now unable to bear any burden at all except to be a burden to others. She is hapless and helpless, old but like a child. Jesus comes to her rescue, But for this gallant act, he is upbraided. There are six days in which work ought to be done, he is told. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. No good deed goes unpunished. The ruler of the synagogue, as he is called, he is the equivalent of our parish administrator, as always, is right. Our parish administrator, too, does happen to be right always, and that's for our good. (laughs) And unlike this ruler of the synagogue, she does her work in quiet. Whereas this unnamed individual is also a representative of a larger class of religious functionaries upon whom Jesus has set his sights from beginning to the end. They're referred to as hypocrites. The Pharisees are the largest subgroup within the class. They are essentially coterminous. Hypocrites means play actors, and like many actors, they permanently fuse with the mask they are wearing, assuming the role they are called to play is whom they really are. As such, their role requires the appearance of righteousness. So, righteousness, as in self righteousness, becomes their primary concern, no, their only concern. They would rather be right than good, and that's because they fear. And the operative word for hypocrites is fear, doing wrong more than anything. No, they fear being seen to be wrong more than they fear actually doing wrong. Now, what's wrong with that? You can't always do things by the book, and you have to accept that. The world we live in is a hypocrite's nightmare. And you're going to be seen to be wrong for doing something you know is right, and you have to go into it knowing that. That's the reality of following Jesus. No good deed goes unpunished. You may even have to actually break the letter of the law in order to set free the spirit which the letter has bound within the law. This is where the whole letter to the Hebrews is working with this very dispensational sense of that was then, this is now. As one of our great mystics said, you have to know the law really well in order to know how to break it really well. Well, we'll talk about that later. This is, however, exactly what Jesus does, not just here, but again and again and again. The law of the Sabbath is clear, and it is laid down not just in the Old Testament, it's laid down in the Torah, not just in Exodus, but in Genesis. And not just to show humans God's pattern for human life, but to show humans God's pattern for God's life as we have seen, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from the work that God had done in creation. If you're gonna stick to one law, the hypocrites have a point. This is not a law, then, to break lightly. But so does Jesus have a point, and he presses it home. If you've read the letter to the Hebrews lately, you'll be left with a haunting feeling that the law, as in the Big Ten, serves its immediate purpose of helping us look after others when we can't really help them ourselves. Think of it as triage, as damage control. The law is God's damage control until something better comes along. In Jesus, it does. In terms of the bigger purpose, then, of extending the range of our concern from those like us to those unlike us who don't like us, The law tends to up leading us, rather, to look out for ourselves. A God who is consuming fire, after all, is going to ask us to account for what we've done and what we haven't someday. And that God is very much someone for whom we are always looking over our shoulder, as Luther says, in case he starts breathing down our neck. If we find God on our back, Luther says, we had better look to get saved. It's not so much that we want to get away from this God either because of what we want to get away with either. It's just that we want to get away. It has a lot to do with how we see God in all this. So often we see God's purpose as to be the bearer of the bad news, our report card on how we've done or not done. But the God we see in Jesus has one purpose, redemption. Luther writes, thus, when the shepherd finds the lost sheep again, he has no intention of pushing it away in anger once more or throwing it to a hungry wolf. Rather, all his care and concern is directed to alluring it with every possible kindness. Treating it with the utmost tenderness, he takes the lamb upon his own back, lifting it up and carrying it until he brings the animal all the way home again. Now you spend the first part of the service here looking at the hardwood of the cross, and so we should. But as you leave, you will see that that hardwood has become once again the tree of life and the whole creation is breaking forth to complete the Redeemer's work. We are expected to get a childlike joy from what God has in mind. For creation. There is a childlike joy that God places in our hearts. I would suggest a joy in Him and in being His that is there a priori, that nothing can take away. Sophia Cavalletti. The noted reformer of the Christian education of children, whose catechesis of the Good Shepherd forms the basis of what we do here, was convinced of the connaturality of the relationship between children and God. And that the demonstrated fact, as she and Jana Golby, her colleague, discovered as this catechesis spread out beyond Rome to Italy, to Europe, to the world the demonstrated fact that in the lives of children, circumstances had nothing whatsoever to do with the implanting of that innate capacity for the joy of God's presence within them. That joy was there whatever the circumstances of the children's lives. We are often told that we can only be whatever our childhood permitted us to be, and parents go through a lot of grief over this. If we had a poor experience of our parents, our notion of the fatherhood of God must, therefore, seem more demonic than heavenly. We're a prisoner of culture, of our experience. Cavaletti and her associates go to the other philosophical point of view, say this is a priori, this is not synthetic, this is something you have, this joy in God's presence. And whatever traumas and tragedies might do as you grow to inflict their deprivations on the child's journey to adulthood and her capacity for loving interrelationship with those around her, they ultimately have no effect whatsoever whatsoever on the presence of that inner relationship with God. They might have an enormous effect on our willingness to go and seek that place of peace, of Sabbath rest, of shalom that is always within us. But that peace is there, always. That joy, then, has its roots on childlike dependence is also something that Cavaletti discovers. But with childhood comes the sense that we can count on others to look out for us and look after us. Experience puts that notion under attack, and we are taught that we can't depend on anybody. We are taught to grow up to be independent, not needing anyone to look out for us, but also, and it does not follow, but this is the way it goes, also not looking out for others to look after either. It's in that disjunction that we lose our joy or find our way back to it. We are not independent. We are all in this together, not just with one another, but with all of creation. The gentle flapping of the butterfly's wings in the Amazon basin really does lead to the thundering in the skies in the northern hemisphere and around the world, as we are reminded If life is just a matter of looking out for number one, taking care of number one, then it would be simple. But it's not. And for such a life, God has neither prepared us or this creation of his, for which we will someday give account. We grow up, we grow into our vocations, not for ourselves at all, but to be what we can be for the sake of others. We are a means, not an end. So to to deliver ourselves fully from a slavish fear of a distant parent and return to the faith of the children of a loving God, we need to go one step further yet. We need to recover the sense of the Sabbath, of a time of rest, not just for exchanging the pursuit of gain for the pursuit of distractions and pleasures, but for reaffirming that joy that abides deep within that original joy that still waits to be drawn as water from a well that is always full. We need to seek every opportunity to say thanks and from that sense of gratitude that our needs are met and our needs are so few and our wants so infinite that our needs are met to then seek every opportunity to care for the needs of others whatever or how little they can do to give us anything back in return. Not going our own ways then, not pursuing a happiness that we will never find, not seeking our own pleasure, but taking every Sabbath day, and every moment of Sabbath rest within the hours of the week, to take delight in the Lord, whose desire is that his joy will be ours, to find that inner child alive and well, and find our way back to that child so we may truly be all that we can be for one another. Amen.